Hi, I'm Phil Johnson, and welcome to this special presentation of Stormfront Freaks podcast, Aim for the Sky, a conversation on storm photography with guests Mike Olbinski, Brian Miner, and Jeremy Bauer. All right, welcome to this uh, special edition of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, this edition is going to really be focused on storm photography. Uh, we're calling it Aim for the Sky. Uh, but we're excited about this because we've had a lot of listeners uh, comment that they wanted to get some great uh, input on storm photography, and they wanted uh, some people on. And, and we've actually uh, we've got three unbelievably great photographers on this evening. Uh, I'm excited about this, and I know you will be too. But we've got Michael Binsky. Uh, he's in Arizona. Uh, his website's michaelbinsky.com. We have Brian Miner in Kansas at bdminer.com, and we have Jeremy Bauer in Nebraska at facebook.com slash jrbstormphoto. So first and foremost, guys, we're excited as all get-go to have you on board. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Um, So so first off, uh, just to kind of let people know a little bit about who you are and what what you like about storm photography, I guess, talk a little bit about um, what you got interested in, how you got interested into photography, and and maybe what you think your your specialty is, or when it comes to storm photography, what you geek out the most over. Um, and Mike, let's start with you. I was probably like four or five because, you know, we live in Arizona and in, uh, in the summer, all we get, you know, we get heat and then we get thunderstorms sometimes. And the thunderstorms are so cool to watch and they cool the weather down. So I just always remember loving that as I was, you know, as a kid, but it just took until later in life to like really get into it. And then suddenly realize I, um, wanted to start capturing it on a camera and, um, I don't know, my daughter was born, too, roughly around the same time that I got into this, and I started taking pictures of her and getting better at that, and taking this little crappy point-and-shoot camera that we had out to try to shoot lightning with it, and and once I got my first lightning strike with it, I knew I needed a DSLR to get, get better ones, and um, it kind of started, it all kind of started there, and ever since then, you know, things have, you know, kind of progressed every year. I would say that's back in... Um, 2008 my daughter was born so it kind of all started around that time of course i watched you know the show storm chasers one of my favorite shows every week to watch and i didn't even i didn't even realize people did that um you know i know that there was you know saw twister and everything but you know the movie i didn't realize people actually were you know kind of crazy about it and i was like those are my people i need to do that and um so I started getting into chasing around Arizona and eventually branched out to uh, chasing tornadoes. And um, I do a lot. I start off with photography, and I still love photography. I think lightning photography is probably my, I don't know, if God said you can pick one thing to do the rest of your life, one kind of photo to take, I mean, I have to pick probably lightning. But um, I do a lot of time lapse now. It's kind of my main thing, and it's kind of a big way of how I make money doing this. And um on the other side, I do a lot of wedding photography. I do about 30 weddings a year and a bunch of family stuff. 
and that's the other side. So I do this full time, and um, but time lapse and putting films together and stuff is kind of my main thing right now. But um, so I think that's it in a nutshell. If that was a nutshell. How about you, Brian? Um, well, uh, I'm an IT guy. Uh, can't make a living doing this yet, unfortunately, for me. Um, I've been doing this since I was 13. I've been trying to catch lightning on film. Uh, first camera was a Pentax Amy Super. So, you know, I've, I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, started getting into it more um, when I got a digital camera around about the same time Mike did, 2008 or so. Um, always trying to catch lightning. That is my favorite as well. Um, love storm structure. I love the focus that it requires when you're that close to a storm to pay attention to everything that's going on and everything else just kind of melts away. So, I mean, it's it's a, a, a zen moment. Uh, it's a beautiful time. So, uh, there's a lot of passion there for storm photography. Um, that's about it. All right. How about you, Jeremy? Well, amazing enough, when I was really young, I was actually scared to death of storms. And <laughs> it actually all uh, somehow just changed uh, when I was, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old. And next thing you know, I'm running outside with my grandfather's uh, Polaroid. And yes, the Polaroid where you take the picture, it comes out and you have to wave it and then turn it down and then finally get your picture. And, and everyone's kind of like, why in the world is this kid trying to run outside in the rain and lightning trying to take storm photography? But uh, I think photography for me in general has always just been about the challenge. And uh, it just kind of grew with my career. Uh, you know, my career in weather goes back to you know, that time frame as well. And I think I'm also with Mike and, uh, you know, Brian on this. And I love a good lightning show. I mean, lightning is probably my most favorite thing to photograph now. Uh, storm structure. Uh, I'm, you know, you'll hear about, you know, structure guy and things like that. You know, I love taking good structure shots. Uh, that's, you know, also my big forte. But, you know, one other thing I have a big passion for, I mean, I, I don't do this for a living. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever really do this for a living. I just, I'm very passionate about going out there, getting the great photos, and then also trying to teach others uh, how to do this. And it doesn't matter what type of camera that you have. It's just a matter of just doing the best of what you do have at your disposal. So I'm all about uh, just, you know, being an open-minded guy, you know, taking in all the information and sharing that with uh, anyone who's willing to listen. Cool. Good. Well, again, we're, we're excited about having you guys on. I, I know uh, sometimes it's just great to talk about stories. Um, give me an, give us an idea. How's, how's the uh, storm season been for you guys this year compared to previous years? It's a little slower than last year, but it's still been a really good season. Um, you know, it's always the ones you miss that you think about the most, though, because uh, there have been a couple of good ones that I either had to work or was had a, another engagement. So, uh, which were what? Ones I think which ones were those? <clears throat> Chapman, Dodge. Kansas, uh, Ray, Colorado, uh, Katy, Oklahoma. Yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah. Were you on Dodge? I was on Dodge. Yeah. Oh. 
Well, that's I was about to regret that. I regret I was on Katie, so at least I was on Katie and you were on Ray. But I got, uh, but I regret Dodge and Ray, and then um, that Leoti Supercell. Those are my three yep. days that I regret this year. Uh, yeah, I got Leoti. I got and Dodge. Got hit the chase. <laughs> yeah, Chapman was so painful though because I was probably a hundred miles away from it the whole time. Watched it from beginning to end. It was on the ground for ninety minutes. I was like, I could have been. Oh yeah. There. I could have been there, but yeah, I had a other engagement, and I'm just sitting there yeah. the entire time. <laughs> that one at least. That one at least I didn't see. I saw some pictures of it that were good, but it wasn't as picturesque, you know, as like Dodge was and Ray. Like it was still kind of a big mess that day. So would have been kind of tough to probably shoot in the rain on that one because at least that's what I saw a lot of um, from Chapman. It had its moments. I saw some decent structure <laughs> shots. Yeah. yeah. Where it cleared yeah. out. Yep. Yeah, yeah no. For me. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. No, I was going to say, uh, for me, 2016 was frustrating. <laughs> Needless to say, all you need to know is when a tornado, two tornadoes occur in your town that you live in, and you can't see them because you're at work and you're stuck in the basement because there's tornado warnings going on and you can't do anything. Yeah, that kind of sums up 2016 for me at this point. Uh, we went, I was out uh, June 13th through the 17th, and Mike, uh, you should know, you got the tornado near, I believe it was Trinidad, and we were a little too far north and didn't see it. So, yeah, so a little frustrating a 2016. Day. Uh, well, I have, um, I saw like my best tornadoes this year because, you know, I started doing this in Arizona. So for me, going out there has been always kind of like throwing a dart at a calendar when I started going. And, um, but the last few years, it's been longer. Um, and last year, oh, I was on, we were the, in Canadian and then drove away right when the wedge dropped to get out of the rain so missed that one and there was a dora tornado and we were 30 miles east of it we saw it but it was not like being underneath it so um this year was the first time especially when i saw the um, the, the winniewood katie one um that for me was like just groundbreaking like mind-blowing day because it was just right there i'd never seen anything like it that close and um kind of blew me away and um and then it's got the wedge after that and so it was a it was a great year i will i will say i'm 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 just like brian where i'm disappointed on a few days because you know i'm out i'm out to make a time-lapse film and i've got to for me at least i'm spending all my free time driving out there and i basically drive my forerunner out there and chase for a few days and come back and you know it was almost probably 25 days of like chasing and travel time this spring um which is not a lot, but when you're driving back and forth, it's a lot. And uh, and so I didn't get – I feel like I missed out on, like, really good structure days like Leody. That really bummed me out. I really want – I was like, I couldn't believe I missed that day. I expected there to be a few more really big mothership kind of days. Um, but the tornadoes were awesome, and the Trinidad one, especially proud of, because there was, like, five of us on it, and everyone was north, and we were all down there thinking the south was going to work, and that was, uh, that was kind of a proud day. <laughs> So what? So guys, tell me what? How have you gotten better 
at because I know Jeremy's got a meteorological background, but uh, Mike and Brian, I I don't know what you guys do. So when it's when you're chasing, how are you getting better at setups and where you're going? Chase all the things. <laughs> Chase it all. Um, I think yeah. uh, both Mike, both Mike and I have fairly new vehicles that have over a hundred thousand miles on them. Yeah. So yeah, we put the yeah. miles in. Yeah, I've got mine's two years, just over two years old, and I just crossed a hundred thousand, and I've already driven I don't know however many thirty thousand this year, forty I don't know. Yep. So forty plus for me. It's, yeah. Uh, and it's really, you know, it's really. Um, I will say, like, you know, I was out there chasing this year, and there was a storm by La Mesa, and and it was weird how we got on the storm, and I just like knew exactly where to go, and I'm like, man, a few years ago. I wouldn't know where to go. I would have been like on the south side thinking I'm in the right position instead of like east, northeast to really get that good structure. And even when I first started this year, the first day out, I was, um, there was actually a tornado by Eva, Oklahoma. I was on that storm, but I was still like not in like game shape or something. It's like first day out, I'm rusty trying to figure things out. And I was on the southeast, east side of it for way too long. And I realized I'm like, I remember last year got to be more east northeast to get it kind of coming at me and get more of that you get kind of more of the front of that supercell from you know that kind of side depending on what kind of storm it is and anyway it's really just a lot of practice like brian said i mean you just got to be out there and repetition and learning and seeing the situation and um you start to recognize certain patterns and similarities yeah Yep. yep exactly and even out here, I'll just say briefly, even out here, you wouldn't think there's a lot, you know, um, Arizona's not always recognized for its weather, but we have gorgeous lightning and crazy microbursts. And I think over the years I've gotten, you know, even better at knowing where to be out here to get, you know, the picturesque side of a thunderstorm or getting the rain shaft falling and knowing how to position myself in time, hopefully to like kind of catch the rain starting and then crashing to the ground. Like um, even chasing dust storms is down to a science for me now. And I didn't even know anything about chasing them before. So um, it's just really going out and learning and practicing. That's, that's really what it takes. There's no, there's no class you can take, no online course you can read about it. You just have to chase. And you have to learn the, the roads and territories and terrain types as well because you have certain areas that are just almost impossible to get a good shot of lightning. Yep. There's so many trees and, um, you know, yep. like the Osage Westers around here, you only have a, a – western view very briefly when you get on the top of a one of those so, uh, you really have to know your terrains and know your high points and kind of keep an eye on on uh, google terrain to see if you can find a, a high area yep. around here yep just like which, which is kinda... go ahead mike I was going to say, learned, kind of learned a little bit of that chasing in southern Texas this year a little more frequently. You know, the terrain sometimes just hoses you where there's just big trees in the way. And and at least for, I know, you know, at least for me as a photographer, um, you know, we're, we're looking for a certain thing when we're out there. And if we pull over the road and all we have are trees in our way and we can't see way off in the distance and see the ground below the storm, it's really, at least for me, I'm usually looking for really flat, seems devoid of more of most you know obstacles or obstructions i should say so Unless trees and stuff in the way yeah exactly 
So that's really that's a real that's one of, I, I would think road networks and terrain are probably like the top two problems that I always freaking face when I'm out chasing. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that actually brings up, um, I think, a good point, which is one of the things uh, I think we'd all want to hear a little bit about from you guys, is if I'm a, a basic, uh, I like storms, I'm an amateur storm guy or gal, uh, it's not my career, but I like storms and I like to take pictures and I see what guys like you are doing. And I'd, I'd love to try and get some great shots, but all I have is my camera phone or all I have is a little tiny point and shoot. Or as Jeremy said, I got a Polaroid and I'm still shaking my image. Um, what, what are tips that you guys have learned over the years or, e- or even when you were starting to learn to take some good storm photographs? What are just some basic tips of of how I can set it up or what what you're looking for what what you should include in the photo or give give us some good ideas we can walk away with if I'm average Joe I'd say start well, with think... video I'd say start with video as far as like uh slow mo like the newer iPhone cameras have the slow mo feature as far as lightning goes that's going to be the easiest way to capture something that you can pull out and get a still frame from. Um, After that, you're going to start having to invest in, in apps for uh, control of your phone camera uh, to open the shutter longer. Um, Maybe uh, uh, using uh, headphone volume control as a cable release, doing it on a tripod. Um, But video I think would be the first place to start. That's actually where I got my start was was doing that. Um, My best piece of advice that I would give anyone, no matter what type of camera they're using, and I mentioned this, um, uh, Phil, when I was giving the presentation there at Ohio State um, a few months back, um, the biggest thing that everyone needs to remember is there's two key points, and that is do you have the proper exposure and is it in focus? And if you get those two things, then you've pretty much have got it made. And yeah, there's some things that you need to, you know, now think about, you know, after that. But basic little things like you know keeping your horizons level, uh, you know, making sure maybe using some type of uh, one of the biggest tricks I've always tried to use is having some type of foreground object, uh, whether it be a hill or you know whatever it might be to kind of use it to give whatever you're shooting some scales. So if you're shooting this, you know, your this thunderstorm, you know, have something in the foreground, you know, whether it be, you know, pick it. has, you know, something there to where it can, you know, give something to scale there. Uh, but, and that can be done really with, you know, those little bits right there can be, you know, implemented with no matter what camera you're using. Yeah, I think I think for me it would just be, you know, I think when most of the time when I just see people taking weather photos and they're trying to get into it, they don't. I think I would just, I always try to tell people, like, just venture a little bit further away from, like, your neighborhood, where the trees are. Try to get, you know, try to get somewhere open, frame your shot, get a good composition, look look for things that are interesting, like, you know, colors, um, textures, things that aren't just, oh, here's a cloud and I took a picture and it's cool, but, like, you know, start looking for the things that, 
maybe, you know, make something a little extra interesting. You know, I think a lot of good ways that people can start is just by shooting sunsets and kind of learning how to, like, see the colors and, and framing them and getting stuff like that done. And then, you know, you can see a storm and, and get out after that. But I know basic, you know, for me it was, you know, I think that's almost how I started. You know, I had a point and shoot and I wanted to shoot lightning and it took this little point and shoot would do three shots a second if I held the button down. And so I just drove out front, you know, down the street from my house and pointed out the window at a storm and held the button down. And I got, you know, a couple of crappy shots at first, like third, fourth time out. I got a really good one, you know, magically somehow. And, you know, I think you can do that, you know, with almost any camera if you put the work into it. But, you know, what I learned soon after was like I needed something, you know, that would do longer exposures, but also to get a little bit further from, you know, the houses and the power lines and things like that and actually start learning. Yeah. (laughs) The bane of our existence. The bane of every person's existence. Yeah. Especially at night because a lot of times you can't see them. That's the third one. Yeah. That's a third chaser problem. Road networks, terrain, and power lines. Those are the three. So what are, what are mistakes like that a beginner, so power lines obviously are things in your frame. What, what are other things you want to avoid to try and still get a good shot? Um, Take the lens off. What Jeremy said, um, if, if let's just say you're not on your phone and you start, you know, learning a little bit more and you get, you know, a, a little cheap DSLR or something where you're, you know, learning how to, you know, shoot for the first time really with something like that. I think, I think focus is like the really biggest thing for me, um, especially lightning photography, because people will post lightning photography and kind of, um, you know, freak out about it, like how awesome this was. And I look at it and like it's totally, completely out of focus. And that's like probably the number one problem with like lightning photography. And I still struggle with it is getting it sharp all the time. And so um, I think focus and exposure is probably, you know, once you start getting a little bit better at it and get a better camera, you really, you want to nail them down first to really kind of, you know, otherwise, you know, of course, when you're like, I'm a perfectionist at this point. So if it's out of focus, I just delete it. Like it just makes me mad. And, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, you just gotta, you gotta, those are kind of the things you, the mistakes that you'll make are that are those kind of mistakes. And then you'll keep making them. But you're right. I never do that. I'm like, I'm so different. Cause I don't like things in my foreground unless, you know, even last night I, I, I shot, I was in a spot where I really couldn't go anywhere else. And I just shot incredible amount of lightning that just crashed down in front of me forever. And I'm like, I'm just going to stack all these because otherwise one photo with these power lines in the horizon, which unfortunately I couldn't get, you know, get away from, you know, kind of annoyed me. But when you put them all there, they kind of add scale. But I even had, you know, I post on the Facebook and people are like, oh, I like the power lines because it gives that sense of scale. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess so. It's <laughs> just like, I still would rather them not be there. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily care about all that. I'm definitely, you know, looking for more artistic kind of stuff and not, uh, um, anyway, I'm always looking for a certain type of thing. So that's why I'm, you know, like kind of get, you know, get away from things to get out in the open because I think one thing that I think it's distracting and I think sometimes about photography is to me, it's, you know, you're really shooting the weather and the sky and what's happening up there. And if you try to like go, Oh, I just want to get this cool building in a shot. I feel like it takes it away from like, takes away from what you're shooting, which is, you know, trying to shoot the weather in a storm. And so it just depends. Like it's, if there's a good foreground and it works and it's like really interesting, then, then do it. But anyway, that's what I, that's what I look for. 
Brian, you were talking a little bit about like if you've got a phone, that's what you're shooting with. You're just a basic. You talked a little bit about apps that can help you do other things. Can you explain that or maybe give some advice or, or uh, recommendations there? Uh, there? There are some apps that allow you to take a longer exposure than you would normally take with the basic camera. Um, uh, like, uh, what does it use, Mike? Uh, VSCO? Is that what it's called? That's one, I think. Um, yeah, th I think it's they kind of pronounce it Visco, but it's not. But I don't think you can do longer shutter releases. It's just more of an editing app that, unless I don't know. Yeah, I think it can do uh, slower shutter speeds. There's also one called Slow oh. Shutter that you can use. Um, but, you know, just do search for manual controls for cameras. And there are quite a number of them, both for Android as well as for iOS. Um, and yeah, just remember you can use that volume up as as a shutter re release. So if you've got like an old pair of the iPhone headphones, you can use that as a cable release for your phone. Um, you can always use Good like tip. a blue, yeah, get a get like a Bluetooth one. They're ten dollar ones off of Amazon. Uh, but yeah, tripod, tripod and cable release and manual control. Those are those are my Wow. best go-to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to try that now. I just learned something. Thanks. So, um, so guys, tell me, so if I'm, I'm ready to take the next step, I'm tired of my phone or whatever, I'm ready to go to like a DSLR or something. What, what, what's the first, give a recommendation. What's the first kind of really decent camera I should consider um, that's not going to break my bank? <laughs> Well, it's been... I went, um, I'll just tell you, I went with a Canon Rebel. So that's, you know, the problem yeah. is, is people are going to research today and try to figure out Canon, Nikon, Sony. And, uh, you know, if you go on the Canon path right at the beginning, then you almost want to be stuck on it so you don't waste a bunch of money on lenses and stuff and then switch to Sony. But, um, but at least for me, you know, one of those beginner DSLRs, Nikon, I don't know what Sony has. I don't, I don't know much about it other than the big camera they have. Um, but you know, a Canon Rebel or whatever the Nikon is, you know, $400, $500 DSLR is probably a good place to start. Anything you can get manual control for and a cheap intervalometer, then you should be good. I mean, but definitely I'm, I'm a Canon biased person as well. So I'm, I'm sold on that ecosystem and, and there's also, the there's also, and there's also a um, a lens manufacturer called uh, Rokinon, and they make like a $300 14-millimeter wide lens, which if you're getting, you know, you're getting into buying a camera, you want to get a wider lens than the one that comes with it. And at least that one's about the cheapest one you can buy with, you know, for decent quality. And so if you're going to go out and shoot storms, you want something wide, and, um, you know, that might be a good combo right there. Yeah, what is it? But uh, most of the lower end cameras are APS-C, which is a smaller sensor than the full frame, 35 millimeter size. Yeah. So 14 millimeter is what? Does it like not 20? fit it? No, it fits yeah, it, but it's it like, like 20 something. It's not yeah. as wide. Yeah. So, no, but even like even the ones that come with it are like 18 to 55. So those are are still not as wide either. Yeah. So. No, I'm I'm a fan of the Rokinon too. Yeah. 
So, so guys, tell me now, what what are some of the things for our more advanced folks, um, you know, where you guys are at? Because you're doing some great stuff now, and, and it's stuff you've learned over the years. What are some of the things that maybe this year you, you've geeked out about that you've learned that you're now doing or you're or that you're excited about doing what, what are some of the new, maybe more advanced things you guys are starting to experiment with? Um, I would, I would think Brian would agree with me, but I know we both got um, the Canon 5DSR this year and which is a 50 megapixel beast. And um, I paired it with uh, Canon's 11 to 24, which is the most money I've ever spent on a lens before. But um, I'm been geeking out about it because, you know, I do a lot of time lapse. And, um, and Brian does that too. So before, you know, using the 5D, you know, Mark three, it's about, it's a 21, 22 megapixel camera. If you're doing a little over 4k, when you put all these still images together into a time-lapse, it's a really long discussion about time-lapse, but this camera allows you to do, um, above 8k. And so it's just amazing quality because I can shoot, you know, this scene and it's so sharp that I'm able to like crop it in half and still have like 4k quality. And it's ridiculous. You know, I had, I had a shot where I was flying my drone in the frame, um, kind of out up over a cell and my, you know, my, the new Canon and 1124 was time lapsing it. When I get back home a month later, I'm looking at it. I see a little white speck in the sky, you know, it could be a dust spot. I'm like, it's white. It's probably not. And I zoom in and I could actually, see like the outline of the phantom three and knew exactly what kind of drone it was but it's when you look at the picture it's just like a speck and that's just how detailed and sharp that you know that camera is with the megapixel so that's been that's been my big purchase this year my kind of geek out because i've been able to do a lot of stuff with those uh, time lapses that i haven't been able to do in the past as, as far as advice goes though uh, i would say always shooting raw um You've got two stops of latitude in exposure that you wouldn't get if you were shooting in JPEG. So with shooting lightning, a lot of times you'll get overexposed frames and you can pull stuff back drastically that you couldn't get if you were shooting with a JPEG. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, For sure. Another thing with like zoom lenses, um, if you get them focused on infinity at night, uh, use like uh, a transmission tower light or something like that. Once you get that focus attained, you can take a piece of gaffer tape and tape across your focus ring so you don't lose that if you're moving around a lot because I tend to relocate as storms move. Yep. Um, yeah, I've, one, I've always thought about using like a little exacto blade to kind of scratch in. Notch it, where, yeah. But where you can notch it where you line it up, but I've never done it. But I've always thought that'd be a really good thing to do. Yeah, I think I think heat changes your um, infinity focus, though. So I don't. I'm always reluctant to, to notch something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, if you're shooting in the rain a lot, and you're shooting with a zoom lens, if you wipe the lens, you're going to have to refocus your camera, because at least on the Canon lenses that I use. It's kind of a push type. If you push on that front element when you're wiping the lens down, you're going to push the zoom out. So you're going to have to refocus and recompose. Uh, bring a towel. <laughs> you're going to need it. You get wet a lot. 
uh, flashlight, definitely bug spray. Uh, I carried boots because you know the chiggers out here are so bad. You wind up on the side of the road and you're trying to get past the power lines, then you know you got to have something. Otherwise, you spend the next two weeks scratching. Um, let's see. Uh, UV filters, they're not just for UV. They actually keep dust out of your elements. So um, if you're in dusty environments like Mike shoots, then maybe a UV filter might help. Yeah, some of Canon's lenses, probably. Yeah, some of Canon's lenses, uh, like my 17 to 40, uh, it's not really weather sealed unless you use a UV filter. Yeah. Because yeah. I know I had, there was, yeah, there was a supercell down in uh, Cimarron grasslands last year that I, it took me a year and a half to get all the dust out of the front element. It was just all over the place. <laughs> and How'd you get it out? King. <laughs> I, I dissected my 17 to 40. I took apart the oh. front element, pulled it out, cleaned it off. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. I just take it down to my to Chris camera down here where I live and let them do it. <laughs> yeah, YouTube is your friend there because, yeah, there's a, yeah. a YouTube video that shows you how to take it apart, where the screws are, what to watch out for. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, Manual exposure is is your friend. At night, you, you you've got to adjust. It's never going to be the same. Depending on how much of the frame is filled with a lightning strike, you've always got to adjust. Uh, if it's a really bright strike, you probably want to go with a higher f-stop, a lower ISO. If it's farther away, you want to go with a higher ISO and a lower f-stop. Um, what else you got, Mike? You just did everything. No, um, that was a good list. Yeah, I loved it. The other thing would be where I was talking with some people today about white balance. I don't know if that matters too much. I don't really have an opinion on it, but I use manual white balance a lot when I'm time lapsing, of course. But um, if, if you're you know, shooting you raw, might... it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, well, that's... yeah, I don't know. On, on time lapse, though, I still I still think it matters, but I don't. But no one. But I can't prove it. And most people, but I, I I feel like if you're getting into like if it's something's auto, I feel like there's still like some kind of slight difference that doesn't sync up in Lightroom, but we're in um, post, but I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but um, definitely, I was just talking to someone else about manual mode. You definitely, you really want to learn how to shoot in manual all the time and be quick at it. You know, being able to like, you know, adjust your ISO and, and aperture and stuff, especially if you don't have a tripod. Um, I think if you have a tripod, I think storm photography, what you really want to do is, Get a tripod that's sturdy. Get your camera on a tripod. Always keep your camera around ISO 100, um, unless you're shooting lightning and stuff at night. Then you know, in way and stuff like that, then things change. But lowest ISO gives you like you know the lowest noise. You know, aperture between f8 and 16 to keep it sharp, and then just adjust your you know shutter speed. And um, you know, those are kind of like your ideal things. I think what happens is, is probably some people shoot, you know, they'll get it and it's great and they shoot it in automatic mode. And suddenly they're, you know, dark, it's darker out to so the camera goes, you know, F28 and ISO 800 or a thousand. You've got a noisy photo because you don't really, you're not shooting in manual where you're controlling everything. So those are kind of the tips, you know, and obviously what Brian said, shooting in raw, those are the tips that you really want. Um, 
to make sure, you know, those are just kind of like good starter things to, to make sure everything is, you know, the best quality you can possibly get to at least start with. Yeah, even if you have critical focus on a higher ISO, it's going to look soft because of all the noise yeah. that's going to show up in your image. So yep. as low as you can get away with is, is better. Yep. Um, lightning triggers. <laughs> there's only one. There's only one, but there's only one that I would recommend. But so the lightning trigger four. Yep, and actually, yep. they're not. They're not lightning triggers. Just so we get this clear on the podcast, because the guy who does it um, has a trademark. But they're actually all lightning sensors. Oh. His is the lightning trigger because he has lightning trigger as a registered trademark. So um, just to make sure we have that right. Yeah, thank you. So we don't get sued. I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I wrote an article on deep, on digital photography school a year or so ago about lightning a lightning tutorial and he saw it and asked me if I could get it changed <laughs> to lightning sensor. And he's a good guy though. He fixed my lightning trigger for me and all that. But anyway, what Brian said, the lightning trigger for is the most expensive. It's like three hundred eighty bucks, but it's the best one out there and everyone else everyone out here we shoot a lot of lightning because it's Arizona and everyone out here that started with the Nero and or I shouldn't name other brands, but other <laughs> brands, people that started with other brands have all gone to Lightning Trigger 4 because it's the best. So I wouldn't even, if you're going to get a Lightning Trigger, I wouldn't even bother spending $100 on one hoping it works. I would just save up for the Lightning Trigger 4. Yep, cheaper in the long run. That's right. So what, um, what, what are you guys looking forward to? I mean, what are some things you want to, now that... You know, we're coming to a little bit of a close to the, the, the storm season, but what's next? Oh, no way. It's not over yet. <laughs> I'm come back I'm south. in the middle of summer, man. I've got, I got a month, I got a month and a half left of the monsoon, baby. This is MCS season. I've got lightning to shoot tomorrow. I might even go try and get some sprites tonight, depending on what time it is. Um, yeah, the storm's up, if they're still there, up in South Dakota are probably at a good range to try and get sprites. Nice. All right, so my bad. But <laughs> so what, what, what's in the future? <laughs> still, so still tell me, what, what are you guys excited about? Hey, I want to try this next, or this is what I want to do next. I'm going to keep trying to get sprites and blue jets and elves because I've never gotten anything remotely close. So... That's the bar that's yeah, that, way up here. That blue and that blue jet, whatever from the other yesterday oh, or the me. day before, just China. I just feel yeah. like there's no reason to try to get one anymore after that. <laughs> <laughs> just forget it. You gotta top it. You gotta top it. There, oh, there, there's no. I, I don't know. I've never got for some reason. I, I I guess if I could get some sprites sometime, I would get excited about it. But I think for whatever reason, I'm always like to be closer to the storm. And I know there's a We're guy. You know, close. I don't know if you know Mark. There's a guy named Marco Korosek from Slovenia, and he's like the king of getting sprites, other than, I guess, a few people that I've seen this year. But he just, he's always like, I was, you know, met with him in Kansas. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to drive about, you know, 80, 90, 80, 90 miles west of this um, MCS and try to get sprites. And I'm like, it's like one in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I got to get, I got to go to bed because I got to go to Texas tomorrow. And, Sometimes I just I don't know if I have the patience for driving that far away and, and aiming at a distant storm, but I wanted I should try it someday. I know they look really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of on my agenda, 
and you know just keep shooting as long as I can. That's what I'm going to keep doing. <laughs> yeah, I have no. I would say I don't really have any. I'm not very good at making goals. Like this year, my goal was to get a better camera so I could do 8K and and also to chase more. So um, I'm specifically on the planes. My goal this past year was to just get a tornado on time lapse the best I could, and I ended up with like five of them. And so next year, I'm just hoping to. I'm hoping to be out there longer and make some even better than this year. And, and so for me, that's just about, you know, more time and, and, and doing it better. If so I tell me, so Jeremy, how about you? What, what are some of the things you're um, look, you want to try or some new things you're looking forward um, to doing? Well, actually one of the things I really want to get into uh, eventually is uh, time-lapse. Uh, <laughs> uh, and obviously uh, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of individuals' works out there, especially Mike, uh, who's uh, obviously had two really great films and maybe a plug for him. If you haven't seen uh, Monsoon, uh, Mike, do you have, is it, is there Monsoon or Monsoon 2 or is it just one Monsoon film that you had? Um. The last one was Monsoon 2. I did a first one, but, you know, as everything goes in life, the next one's always better, and so I don't like the first one as much anymore, <laughs> which sucks. But so I did the last Monsoon one, and then... Yeah, Vorticity, yeah. Yeah, as well. Yeah. I was just going to make a plug to say, you know, if, if you really want to see time-lapse storm photography at its almightiest, uh, yeah, you probably want to go check that out. But that's something I want to get into is definitely the time-lapse. Is what I want to get into. I definitely think that's probably getting a little more popular now. Well, I can do that on my iPhone too, so that's why it's pretty popular. I've tried, Mike, and I've tried, and I just can't make it look like vorticity. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> it's so funny when I go chasing my buddy. My buddy Andy um, Holen goes with me. He's a friend, and we go out for like 10 days. And I get out and I'm time lapsing with all my cameras, and he uses my little like suction cup iPhone mount and attaches it to the roof and just time lapses with his phone. And then he's like, then he posts it while we're driving. Everyone saw what I'm like sitting there that I have to go edit later, take forever to edit, and he just posted it online already. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> all right. Well, here, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about now is is once you've taken the photo, um, editing. What what um, maybe some editing tips or editing ideas. And, and along with that, obviously I think there's, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's huge controversy, but I think there's some controversy to um, how much people edit their photos and to a point to where in the past we've had guests on our show uh, call it quote storm porn unquote. Um, <laughs> so what, first off, what do you guys like to do? What's your feeling on that? Are are is your style more documentarian? Is it more art where you, where you like to add lots of different things or different colors or edit it differently? I guess talk a little bit about that and your feelings about that and what you like. Well, I think it's basically starting with the, the scene that you have. Uh, usually when I take that photo, I've got an idea of what I want to do with it later on. Uh, when I first started out, it was mostly just documenting the storm or the storms or documenting the event. And then here recently, you know, within the last maybe couple of years, I've trying, you know, maybe a little bit different approach as far as like using, you know, going with a different angle or, you know, some of that nature. Uh, but the whole editing process, I think 
it's controversial because some individuals say, well, if you edit your photos at all, then you're manipulating the image basically to where it's, you know, it's not what you actually saw. And well, one thing is if you do shoot in raw, if you shoot your images in raw, which I heavily advocate is to, especially about DSLR is to uh, shoot in raw uh, format. Um, you're going to have to edit the photo no matter what. Um, so it's, I think ultimately it's going to be to the discretion of the user. I mean, what is your intention? Is your intention to post a photo that relays of what you actually saw with your own eyes? Or are you trying to post a photo to quote unquote, you know, gain likes or comments on whether it be, you know, on social media. So I think it's really what your intention really is, is what the bottom line. Yeah. Well, I, think um, I would, oh, I, I would Mike. say, you know, kind of, kind of agreeing with, um, with Jeremy, with the, um, the raw thing, if you're shooting raw, it doesn't look anything like what you saw in person. So you can't, when people say, you know, Oh, it's out of right out of camera, no filter with my rod. I'm like, well, I wish you would have edited it because I know it looks better than that. <laughs> and so for me personally, I edit everything. Uh, sometimes I, if it's just a lightning photo that I don't really think I'm going to like ever want to like print or something, then I edit in Lightroom real quick, but more, I, I really spend a lot of time on editing. I do luminosity masking and color dodging and burning and, and all this stuff in Photoshop. And, you know, I'll remove little things like a power line if it's annoying or a fence if the fence posts are annoying. Um, I don't do a lot of that. I don't try to do, I don't, what I don't do is I don't, I really try not to change what I actually saw in terms of like color and and all that like i when i whenever i do luminosity masking which is really complicated but it generally the way i edit it brings out the color that's already in the image as long as you have like your white balance kind of right to start it brings out the color that was already there like i rarely you know use a saturation slider a vibrant slider all the stuff that i do is usually based off the image itself so i'm not like faking like that part of it it's just mostly getting rid of nuance nuisances and things like that but I really think you have to edit your photos and um, I know some people don't, you know, don't want to do that. And that's totally fine. If you want to be a documentary, you know, for me, it's all about art and what I saw and I'll push it sometimes just to look, you know, um, as best I can, because for me, it's about creating something beautiful that I remember seeing instead of, you know, just taking the photo out of my camera and saying, here you go. And, um, so that's not really me. I, I definitely like to push it a little bit. I'll still like keeping it, you know, kind of true to what it was. Well, that's what, that's what it's about. It's, it's about what you see, not what the camera sees. So we shoot raw most of the time and that comes out really flat, um, because it doesn't have any of the, the standard profiles that get saved along with a JPEG file, uh, sharpness and contrast and brightness. They don't they don't save those along with it other than in the the uh, thumbnail image so yeah you have to tweak it um, I'd like to say that less is more though I mean I don't consider myself somebody who pushes it too far I'd like it to look like I saw it um, and that's definitely more contrast than what's in a raw file 
Otherwise, you know, if you're not shooting raw, you're going to miss out on dynamic range that's there that your eye can definitely catch, that you can see, uh, but the camera can't. So I think what we're trying to do is emulate the range that was present at the scene um, with our edits. And usually, uh, like Mike, I won't mess with saturation. I'll usually just touch contrast, uh, luminosity, um, maybe levels a little bit. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, I might hit a multiply mask. Uh, but not very often. That's just for like uh, cloud details, uh, especially like Mamatis, to try and get the colors that I saw or the, the texture that I saw without warping everything into a, a soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that storm porn is probably a legit thing because there's still some there's there's. You know, there's documentarian, there's like maybe, you know, kind of doing a little bit like what we do where it's just, you know, we're, we're editing it, we're doing what we can to make it look like what we saw. And then there's taking it to an extreme, which is, you know, maybe really bad HDR. Um, I see a lot of like over sharpening and clarity, you know, the clarity slider in Lightroom should like be broken for some people because I think it just, <laughs> it, you know, certain things just don't look right. So, so there's definitely well, a way to push it too far. What? Dehaze is the new clarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah Dehaze is the new clarity, and I never, I never, I, I would, rare, I would say, I rarely use clarity unless it's like lightning, and usually, um, that's mostly for like trying to make the rain, so if the rain's falling, to try to bring a little texture to the rain falling. But I usually then go to like silver effects and do a black and white to try to do that. But I rarely use clarity or dehaze, although I know it's. Um, Dehaze is kind of interesting. <laughs> I'll definitely go black can... and white before I torture the color to a point where it's seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. I mean, uh, if there's a photo that I feel like, you know, quote unquote, maybe can't salvage or just doesn't look right, I'll just go right to the monochrome. I'll do a black and white edit before I push clarity to 150,000 or something like that. Right. Well, um, and last night I got all these lightning photos and I rarely do stacked lightning photos. I really, you know, usually they look really bad and especially the color ones because you're blending all these different, bolt, you know, bolts together and they all look, they're all different hues of colors and you have to do so much work. I don't have the patience for blending all of it. And so last night, you know, I just threw them all in Photoshop and, and layered them and did the, the blending mode, the light and blending mode to get them stacked. And then I just convert them right to black and white. I'm like, all right, done because it's too you know you can push it too far with um you know all that kind of you know crazy colors and stuff that aren't really i don't know realistic so it's really it was really easy to go i don't really like this too much but i think i'm just going to do it because last night was too much fun and i just switched you know i went right to monochrome because at least i you have get, to deal with all the color crap yeah you, you get weird halos on blown highlights yeah. when you're trying to stack yeah. like that so going directly to monochrome yeah solves that problem it helps a little bit it helps <laughs> helps a little bit i did my second one i did another one and i'm like okay i still have to work a little bit on um masking out a little bit of some of that kind of halo stuff because it looks bad in the black and white version but uh but yeah for the most part you know that kind of stuff is can't salvage it so black and white baby <laughs> all right well guys um 
uh, obviously some some great stuff, and and I expected nothing less from you guys. Um, just talking about what you do because I think that's knowledge that a lot of people just don't have because they don't have the experience, they don't have the hours, they don't have the miles that you guys have, have put in. So um, I guarantee there's a lot of people that are will be able to get into storm photography or up their game uh, just having a chance to listen to you guys and sharing uh, some of the knowledge you have. So we appreciate that. Um, but I, I want to go through and, and find out because I know people are going to want to learn more about you guys, find out about what you're doing. So I want to just kind of go down the row here and, and tell us uh, how people can reach you or find you and get a hold of you. And also what, what some of the works that you guys have done um, what are you excited about that maybe people can find out more about, or if, if you have a, a way people can purchase some of your stuff, how they can do that as well. So Mike, we'll start with you. Um, uh, so basically if you know how to spell my last name and my first name, then you can find me pretty much everywhere. Um, so, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Michael Binsky on Facebook. Um, I'm on 500 picks and Flickr. Um, I was on Snapchat, but I just can't do it. It's just I'm too old for Snapchat. Um, trying to think if there's – and my website is just michaelbinsky.com, and, and there's a link to, like, Vimeo on there where I have all my films, so you can watch all my films on Vimeo, and then there's also a link to a gallery where I sell prints. And um, I think that's it. So for people that don't know, it's M-I-K-E-O-L-B and- – I-N-S-K-I, right? That's right. That's right. Usually what people do is switch the B and the L and say Oblinsky, and it's like just part of life now. So, But usually people switch those and they can't find things. Or, but that's exactly right. That's how if you type it. that in, you get some Polish guy, uh, his website. Yeah. Um, you probably right. type it in, you'll probably get right to my <laughs> site anyway. Even Google knows everyone misspells it. Cool. Brian, how about you? How people get a hold of you and what do you got going on? Um, I'm not nearly as sophisticated as Mike. Um, Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of me at BDM Photo. Um, I've got a website out there. I usually, you know, don't update it as frequently as I probably should. Just about once a year, I'll go through and put my selects for the year on it. Um, BDMiner.com. Uh, as far as work, you just have to hit me through Twitter or email me uh, BDMiner at BDMiner.com. I do sell prints, but don't have any store online. So cool. Uh, and then Jeremy, how about you? Uh, just everyone just needs to remember JRB Storm. Uh, I've got uh, JRB Storm Photography, of course. So you can go to Facebook.com/slash JRB Storm Photo. Um, on Twitter, uh, Flickr. Uh, I even got a, a YouTube channel that I don't probably keep keep up to date too often, but I do uh, get a pretty good video on there every once in a while. Um, so yeah, just remember GRB Storm. So Twitter, Flickr, uh, YouTube, Instagram, just uh, GRB Storm. Uh, I don't have an actual uh, website as of yet, but who knows, maybe after this podcast, I might have enough inquiries to start one up. Uh, but I'll... Uh, easiest way, just, you know, either any through those, any of those social media inc- uh, outlets, uh, you can... Uh, just send me a message or contact me if there's a particular photo you're interested in or if you just want to talk photography or if you got a question or anything like that, feel free to contact me. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's it. 
thank you for listening to this special presentation of Stormfront Freaks podcast. For more information about our regular bi-weekly show and to download those episodes, you can visit stormfrontfreaks.com or find us on iTunes and Google Play.